It's episode 572 of the Locked On Texas Rangers podcast. On today's show, I'm breaking down if it's time to worry about Marcus Simeon, what Adolis Garcia is doing well, and taking a look at this Angels team that is coming to play the Rangers. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers. Daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On the Texas Rangers. I'm your host, Bryce Paddock, host of the Locked On Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On podcast network where it's your team every single day thank you guys so much for making locked on readers your first listen every single day if you're not already go ahead and follow me on twitter at bryce paddock follow the show at locked on rangers and subscribe on youtube where we are inching closer to 800 subscribers we have passed the 750 mark thank you to all of you who have done that but let's talk about today's show it's marcus simeon time who signed a seven-year contract with the texas ranger to be a pillar of this team as chris woodward has said and it has not gone super well for Marcus Simeon at this point. Granted, it's only five games, but we got to talk about something after five games. And right now, the rest of the Rangers' offense has looked pretty good so far. Brad Miller has looked like a world beater. Mitch Garver has looked as good as expected, which is great. Corey Seager has, you know, he's he's got on base at a pretty good clip. Hasn't hit the ball super well. Did get robbed of a three-run home run by stinking Randall Gritchick. A, amazing play but very very frustrating that Corey Seager didn't have his first home run as a ranger just yet but Marcus Simeon isn't anywhere close to his first home run as a Texas ranger he has been struggling pretty bad through the first five games right now through exactly five games he's started all of them he has 23 play appearances he has two hits one of those is a double he has one walk five strikeouts a slash line of .091 130 and 136 now those are all Around the bottom of the team, Cole Calhoun has an 077 batting average right now. Eli White has a zero batting average because he has literally one plate appearances and he one plate appearance and he struck out in that one plate appearance. But if you look at the advanced numbers, it, they're also not good. But generally, I'll get into those in just a second. But for his career, he has not been a strong starter. He has just not done well in the first half of games, specifically in March and April. He has a career OPS of 706 which is 14 percent worse than the rest of his months if you average that out in the first half of his career he is a 738 ops versus the second half he has an 802 ops that's a big part of the reason why he only has one career all-star appearance even though he finished top three in mvp voting in 2019 he did not start strong to that season and he hasn't started strong very well in his career now that's a trend, and it, it, I think part of it, there's a lot of things that go into it, but last year was one of the few seasons where he's actually started off his, his season pretty well. Um, just in general, he has not done well in the first month, like I said, but in April of March of last year, 24 games he had an OPS. Um, excuse me, this is 2021. Yeah, no, never mind. I was getting that confused with 2019 when he did start strong that first month, but kind of fell off. But in April and March of last year, his best career season had a 658 OPS, an on-base percentage of 290, slugged 368. Now, that's not great, 
but he went on to have an OPS over a thousand in the month of May. Really got his season back on track. Then have had an OPS over 800 at every single month following that. So maybe that's the kind of trend, that kind of the trajectory that he is on. But his, if you look into his advanced numbers, they really paint a picture that these struggles are real. Like there is not a whole lot of success being had at the plate by this guy. He's in the bottom fifth percentile, according to Baseball Savant, on these different stats. Stats: Average exit velocity. He's in the bottom 2%. Uh, expected weighted on base average. Bottom 4%. Barrel percentage. He is the worst in baseball because he has not barreled a single ball. Um, expected batting average. Bottom 4%. Expected slugging percentage, bottom 5%. Hard hit percentage, bottom 5%. All of these in the bottom 5%. It's just not great. He hasn't barreled a single pitch this year. Even though he does have that double, it was not barreled. The launch angle is down 6%. He's whiffing more on fastballs and walking less, which to me indicates that his timing is just a little bit off, which makes sense. It makes sense that all of these guys' timings would like should be off because they had the shortened spring training and it, you know, some guys it takes a little bit longer. Some guys it doesn't take quite as long. I still don't think that Corey Seager has his timing yet, which is kind of crazy because he has he's hitting over like 320 and is uh, also has an on base of like over 360, I think, at this point, And he still isn't hitting the ball super well, which is kind of crazy. But I think I think Marcus Simeon is a guy who takes a lot of reps. It takes a lot for him to get ready for the season. And I don't think his timing is quite there just yet but that doesn't mean that it's not going to be because i still think when you sign him to that deal obviously you're knowing at the back end he's going to be i think i think 38 years old in the final year of that contract he probably won't be worth as much as you're paying him in the age 37 and 38 seasons but you're hoping the front end of that deal especially this year this is probably going to be one of his better years unless he goes all adrian beltray and is just amazing until age 38 and then retires and is amazing and beloved in our hearts forever and ever which, you know, I hope happens would be really, really great. But he is just not hitting the ball nearly as well as he does for his career. But, you know, Chris Woodward isn't isn't worried because, of course, Chris Woodward is never worried. Uh, <laughs> he is just a, a very sunshiny kind of manager. We've seen that through the down years. We're probably going to continue seeing that while he's good. And I am bringing back my Chris Woodward Ted Lasso voice. You know, it's been a while since we have a lot of Chris Woodward quotes to go through, but but I, I feel like I'm bringing it back. This is a deep cut to I believe November when I discussed that that Ted La- that Chris Woodward has some extreme Ted Lasso vibes. If you haven't seen the show, first off, go see the show because it's it's really nice. It's really heartfelt and one of if not my favorite television programs. But Ted Lasso's voice and Ted Lasso his his vibes are immaculate, and that's what you want for in a coach. Granted, you'd like them to have a little bit more understanding of the sport, which Chris Whitwitter does. He's not, you know, an American football coach going and coaching soccer. He has been in baseball his entire life. So that's the only part of this metaphor that's going on and or that's that's not accurate. I guess also maybe the season two drama might not be accurate. I talk with with Levi Weaver, I think, on Christmas about that um, comparison. But anyway, I want to get into this quote that Chris Woodward had about him and also a little bit about Adolis Garcia. But first, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting needs. You can bet on all kinds of things. You can bet on the Texas Rangers if you want to be financially irresponsible. If you want to be slightly more 
responsible, you can go bet on the Mavericks to win. Shout out to uh, Nick and Isaac of Locked On Luca's Left Calf. I believe the Jazz are favorites right now. So if you think that Luca's going to be healthy and you want to bet against uh, my boss, <laughs> his organization, in David Locke, shout out to David Locke and Locked On Utah Jazz and Locked On Not Luca's left half, you want to go bet on that. I think they're the favorites. So if you're feeling spunky about the Mavs or you want to go bet on the Stars to make the playoffs or you want to bet on some other sports, Bet Online is your number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. Now we are here to do our first Ted Lasso, Chris Woodward reading of the season. This is Ted Lasso on his star, Marcus Simeon, and how concerned he is about his slow start. Well, he's been chomping at the bit a little bit, and I know that he's getting frustrated. He wants to obviously help and do well. One thing is, he's relentless. He doesn't ever veer at all with his work and with his dialogue. He's just 100% committed every day, and so I am not worried. He's probably the least of any concerns because of the person I know he is and how resilient I know in his career he's been. Wow, there's some powerful stuff from from Ted and also from Woody, more importantly from Woody. But, you know, there's a lot of Chris Woodward quotes that are blowing sunshine. And, you know, I, I, I believe this one. I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10 of believability of the Chris Woodward sunshine scale, of which I am the inventor and just invented off the top of my head because I am a genius and I can tell when Chris Woodward is legitimately believing the sunshine he's blowing and when he's not. And, you know, this seems accurate. Chris, Chris Woodward knows that Marcus Simeon is a, a good major league player. He had, a, like, a rough start to his career, but he's been nothing but getting better basically every single year of his career. He's been getting better at his defense. He's been getting better at defense in a new position. He's been getting better at getting on base, barreling up pitches, not swinging as much, hitting for more contact, hitting for more power. He's gotten better at every single aspect of the game throughout his career. So I... I give it a 10 out of 10 on believability of the Chris Woodward sunshine scale. Now, you know who else has been doing, you know, their batting average isn't great, but there's some, some really nice things going on with old Adolis Garcia, who is going to play a big role in this team going forward right now through five games, 22 plate appearances. He has a batting average of 176, but an on base and on base of 364 and is slugging 353. One of the things that's been really good about him so far this year is the walks to strikeout rate. That is the key for him, his on-base and his walk rate. We all know we all know that Adolis has got power for days, one of the strongest hitters in all of baseball, one of the best athletes in baseball. He's flashy. He is full of pizzazz, and he swung at a crap ton of pitches last year. He just swung at a crap ton. There's a lot made about his his swing rate on full count pitches, but he was swinging at pitches out of the zone in a lot of different places and a lot of different counts. And so far he has done a really good job of improving his walk rate, which is something that is really, really difficult to do as Chris Woodward, Ted Lasso has to say, this is what he had to say about him improving his ability to get on base. You know, a lot of analysts tell you it can't happen because it's hard to do that. They'll prove that to you over and over again, like 98% of players, if they have that type of resume, it stays with them their whole career, even in high school, college, all those things. It's amazing. It's amazing. Great stuff, Chris Woodward, Ted Lasso. 
but he's really really encouraged by what he saw from Adolis. He was blowing some real sunshine up Adolis early in spring training. He had two full count walks in one game. He about lost his mind, and I, I gave that probably a a two to three out of ten on the Chris Woodward sunshine believability factor. This one, he went on to say, you know, he really is starting to believe uh, that that Adolis is these changes are legit, and this is going to be the player that he could become. He admits that it is extremely, extremely difficult to do, but you know he's he's believable. He's believing it. I I'd give it about a, a I give it a four out of ten on the believability, Chris Woodward sunshine factor. So I'm still not there yet. It is literally five games, and we're making mountains out of molehills because it's early in the season, and that's what we do because we have actual baseball. And instead, we could have been in a lockout, but we're not. We're not. We have actual baseball to freak out over tiny, tiny sample sizes. But what we've seen from Adolis this year has been really, really good. His expected WOBA this year is in the, 70, is in the top 21%. His expected batting average is uh, in the 68th percentile, so like top, almost top 30 his expected on-base percentage is in the top 10%. His walk rate is in the top 12%. His speed is in the 99th percentile, which is pretty great. Now, he's still swinging and missing quite a bit. His strikeout rate is in the bottom, I believe, 20 it, it bottom half-ish of baseball. But if you're swinging and missing, it doesn't matter as much if you're getting on base at the rate that the Rangers want him to. If he can... Last year, he had an on-base percentage under 300. That was... That was the big challenge for him is just getting that on base higher because if you're on base, it's higher. You're swinging on fewer pitches out of the zone. You will get better pitches and you will hit more of those pitches further into the moon. You will also get on base more because you will be walking more and then, you know, good things happen. Angels start to sing. The children will hold hands and sing tra-la-la-la-la all the way home. But Adolis Garcia wasn't doing that this last year. And I think that if he can do that, that is going to be the biggest teller of how good this offense could be if it can be you know a little above average or one of the better lineups in baseball because to have an elite lineup you really need five guys deep you need five legit ferocious bats that are putting the fear of god into opposing pitchers right now the rangers have three i'd say three i mean at this exact moment marcus Simeon isn't one of them but he's still it's not like pitchers forgot who he is. He has five bad games. They're like, ah, oh, well, this guy sucks now, I guess. No, they know he is really sticking good at baseball. They know Mitch Garver is really good at baseball. He is crushing it. Nathaniel Lowe is on his way to being one of those. I still, again, like last year, right now he has a 400 on base percentage, but is slugging under 400. I want to see him mash more baseballs. I would like to see him mash some fastballs. I would like to see him hit baseballs very far because he can do that. And when he does that, Paired with a really high on-base percentage, that is a good first baseman. Right now, it's average-ish, above-average first baseman, which is fine, solid, decent. But the Rangers are counting on him to be a cleanup hitter. And so, if you get all the way through five, if Adolis becomes that, you know, ferocious killer instinct, 80-grade raw power with a much better idea of what he's doing at the plate... That takes this line, and if Nathaniel Lowe can actually, you know, again, if you can combine Nathaniel Lowe and Adolis Garcia into one hitter, they would be freaking Vladdy Guerrero. Like, you could combine the raw power and aggressiveness of Adolis plus the batting eye of Nathaniel Lowe. That is a incredibly dangerous hitter. But you can't do that, so you need both of them to get better at the things that the other one is good at, and kind of both of them 
be good players because then you have two really good players and that would be better than having one really really good player so i mean it, it's going to be it's going to be a question because both these guys are going to be part of this team for a while and they're going to be counted on to be part of that top of the lineup for a while unless willie calhoun comes on which I'm, I'm hoping he will and i'm thinking he will he's definitely got that potential to do that he has a pair of walks and no strikeouts yet this season you know his ops is under 600 and he only has one hit but that one hit was a game tying home run which was absolutely beautiful and wonderful and i think that if he can stay healthy again he could move up into that you know number six hole and probably take over for cole calhoun who is just having a pretty miserable start to the season but hopefully he can turn around as well i'm less confident about Cole Calhoun at age 34 turning around that I am about Marcus Simeon who has shown a slightly better track record and a slightly higher offensive ceiling than Cole Calhoun has shown in his career coming up we're going to get into a little bit of this series I'm also going to talk very briefly on if the Rangers should even fill John Gray's role in the rotation while he's on the AL if they even have to but first this word from our sponsors Thank you guys so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. For your next listen, go check out the Locked On Now podcast. They've got recaps of MLB games with analysis from local experts like me and other other Locked On hosts, which you have heard several of this week, and I uh, hope you enjoyed those crossover episodes. But, you know, they're taking fans through the season like no other network. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Now, let's look very briefly at John Gray's spot in the rotation. The Rangers have two off days in between when he went on the IL and when he comes back. So I'm not exactly sure the Rangers are going to have to even call anybody up or make anybody, you know, start in his spot while he is on the IL. He went on the IL on opening day for the Rangers, which I believe was April 8th, 9th, 8th, 8th, I think. Yes, because as of that math, that puts Saturday, April 23rd as the time when he is eligible to come off the IL and he will be starting probably that game. I don't think he's going to have to have a rehab start because it was just a blister. It was, I, I think the process with that is just sit back, chill out, wait for it to heal. And it might be healed a little bit sooner than the 15-day IL, but for the first month, that is how long pitchers have to go on the IL so that teams aren't taking advantage of the expanded rosters for that month of April. But I don't think that's the case come May 1st. So let's look at this series preview with the Angels. By the way, we have two new Locked on Angels hosts. I have forgotten their names, but they were announced today. So go check out the Locked on Angels podcast if you're looking for the opposing view. On tonight's, for tonight's game on Thursday, we have Shohei Otani versus Dane Dunning. Uh, I think I give. I think I might give Shohei Otani the edge. It's going to be a thrilling matchup. I always love watching Shohei Otani pitch and hit, and you love getting to see those. It's I love them less when they come against the Rangers and he's just absolutely dominating like he is. But you know, <laughs> watching Shohei Otani pitch is very fun, and also it's fun to watch the Angels when they have Shohei and Mike Trout, even if they can't do anything with them in terms of actually winning games. It's actually better as a Rangers fan when they're doing that in terms of wasting those two guys. But it is still fun to watch them play baseball. On Friday night, we have Reed Detmers. The 2020 first-round pick is already up and making waves. He made his debut last year. He's looked pretty solid for the Angels. He's going against TBD, best starter in history. 
no, it's it's Spencer Howard's about in the rotation right now. It's listed as TBD. I don't imagine they're gonna scratch him after one start. Granted, it was a pretty horrible start. He did give up four home runs in three innings, and they were not cheapies. But again, it was against the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are very good, including Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who just had a, a three-home run game against the Yankees. He got his hand stepped on at first base, I believe, in the second inning after he'd already hit his his first home run of the game. Then all he does is is stay in the game, hit a double and two home runs that were absolute moonshots. Uh, not looking forward to playing them again because old Vladdy Jr. is pretty dang good at baseball. So is, you know, so are some of these. Angels players, but yeah, I'm, I'm imagining that Spencer Howard is going to start on that one. If not, then there's gonna be some real question marks. He's gonna throw a real wrench into this rotation. I don't know why he's not listed already as a starter, unless there's some injury that we don't know about. That they're trying to manage and see if he can get healthy by that start on Friday. But on Saturday, we have Noah Syndergaard versus Taylor Hearn. That's going to be a thrilling matchup. Noah Syndergaard looked really, really good in his first start. I believe went about four innings. And I would have liked to have him sign with the Rangers, but I'm okay with not signing him to a, what, $21 million-ish deal for one year coming off of Tommy John surgery, coming off of not pitching in basically two years. But he looks as good as ever. Taylor Hearn looked great and worked around a whole lot of trouble on the home opener on Monday. Hopefully he works around less trouble. And he has done a really good job of limiting Shohei Otani. He has absolutely dominated Otani, like, kind of crazy how well he's done against Otani. But on Sunday in the capper, we have Martin Perez versus fellow Venezuelan lefty Jose Suarez. Martin Perez will be making his second start of the year. And I I need to go back and rewatch a little bit more closely what he did in his first start. The numbers weren't super great against Colorado, but there's an important side note that I need to bring up on Martin. I think it's Perez. And I think we've been saying it wrong his entire career because the broadcast has just started saying Perez as opposed to Perez and I need to know if that is something we've been screwing up for literally his entire career he was with the Rangers what six years and we said it wrong the entire time he didn't correct us that's really embarrassing on our part he had to go to two different teams to be like come back and say oh yeah hey uh, by the way this is how you're supposed to be saying my name this whole time super embarrassing for you but he is going up against uh, like I said fellow Venezuelan lefty Jose Suarez has been pretty good but the important side note that I needed to have on LB.com, his nickname is listed as El de las Matas, which is Spanish, obviously, and translate to the one of the bushes. I don't know what that means. Like, I don't know why anyone will be the one of the bushes, but it's incredible, and I need to find out why. And there can't be no reason for this nickname. I love looking at nicknames because they usually have some of the most random things on Baseball Reference and on MLB.com. They're just some great random nicknames. You never heard anybody call them. They usually have like three or four or five. I mean, Dirk Nowitzki has like 17, I think, on his basketball reference page. Everybody, I feel like almost everybody, let's say, you know, several, like has been in the league for like five years or so. They've got nicknames on most of them. Usually they're ridiculous, but this one is extra ridiculous. And I need to know what the one of the bushes means. But anyway, Shohei Otani, like most of this offense, has not been doing well. Shohei Otani's bat is literally on life support. I don't know if you saw the video of him giving CPR to his bat, trying to resurrect it, do whatever he can, because he has not been hitting well at this point in the season, as has nobody on their team, except for, well, you know, Mike Trout is pretty good. 
he is pretty good at baseball. But uh, David Fletcher, you know, played in five games. He's already on the IL. He has an OPS of 308. Jared Walsh is doing okay. He has an OPS a little under 700. Um, you know, Tyler Wade has an OPS under 500. Anthony Radone is at 505. Joe Adele, 533. And that's being bolstered by a home run as well. You know, right field, Jose Rojas has an OPS under 450. Shohei Otani, his OPS this year, 360. Yeah, you heard it right. 360. He's batting 160, slugging 200. He does not have a home run yet this year. I don't think he's going to get it on Saturday. He might get it against Dane Dunning. He might he might mash Dane Dunning and take out his frustrations and his early season struggles on him. But he has four hits in 25 at-bats and 25 plate appearances. Only one double, only one extra base hit. Eight strikeouts to zero walks. He's frustrated with his bat. But, you know, you show a freaking Otani. He is really, really good at baseball. And the most surprising thing is that not only are they 3-3, three three, second in the AL West at this point, but they've been doing with their starting pitching. The biggest question mark about this team, they brought in a lot of bullpen help, which has been you know kind of hit and miss. It's hard to judge after three games because literally one bad outing will balloon your ERA. Like uh, Mike Myers, Myers has pitched in two games, uh, two-thirds, of an inning total and has a 67.5 ERA. And Jimmy Herget has a 13.5 ERA. Former Ranger great. Rice Iglesias has been pretty solid. Oliver Ortega, fine. But their starting pitching has been their their strength. Michael Lorenzen, the guy who we didn't know if he was going to be a starter or a reliever, has kind of switched back and forth between those in his career and has been, he only really had like one really great season. Last year with Cincinnati, he was oh, he was fine. He's only had one really good year. He only had one year before this where he had more than three starts. And that was his rookie year in 2015 with Cincinnati. He had 21 games started of 27 games. He had a 540 ERA last year. Didn't even have that good of a year. 27 games, five of those were games finished, 29 innings, a 5.59 ERA. There's only one year, actually I guess there's two years, where he's had an ERA below three. That was in 2019 and in 2016. I really didn't know what they were doing, but he went to six shutout innings, so uh, I guess he's winning the Cy Young this year. Noah Syndergaard didn't allow a run in his five and a third innings, which is pretty crazy. They only struck out one at that point. Uh, Shohei Otani struck out nine in his four and two-thirds innings where he allowed just one run. Jose Suarez was great in his start. Patrick Sandoval didn't allow a run in four innings. Reed Detmers went four innings and allowed two runs. So his starting pitching staff has been pretty good so far, and I don't imagine this is going to be the strength of their team But at the end of the season. I would be extremely shocked if the reason that the Angels missed the playoffs this year is because their offense wasn't good enough, but their starting pitching was great. That would be extremely confusing. But at this point, that's where we are. And uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting series for the Rangers who just need to win some games. You need to get some luck. They had some bad luck. They had a three-run home run robbed by Corey Seager that would have given them the lead and would have been enough for the win against the Rockies. They were rallying on Monday. <laughs> they were rallying, and then we all we all know how the bona fide slide turned out on Monday. If you want to listen to my episode on that, I believe that was Monday's, no, that was Tuesday's show. But it was just absolutely bonkers the way that this season has gone so far. The Rangers offense has been scoring big when they 
they needed it except for when they actually needed it. So it's it's just been a weird season so far for the Rangers. Not a great first week. There have been some highlights. It has been a lot more fun than last year. It's not been all blowout losses, even against Toronto, probably the best team in the American League, if not the entire Major League Baseball. But this is going to be a fun series. I'm looking forward to seeing Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. Hopefully they can stay healthy and still miss the playoffs this year and the Rangers can finish above them. That is my goal for the season, for the Rangers to finish the season, having a better record than the Angels, even though the Angels will have the two best players in baseball. And I will laugh hysterically if the Rangers actually end up doing that. But that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Ranger. Thank you guys so much for making Locked on Rangers your first listen every single day. On tomorrow's show, I'll be talking about tonight's game with Shohei Otani, how he does, how the Rangers' bats line up. And obviously, obviously, Marcus Simeon is going to completely break out of that funk and have a 4-for-4 four four game or something crazy like that. Or he's going to continue, and I'm going to say all hope is lost, something crazy like that. But we're also going to talk about, about which prospects have started their season well, basically a week into the minor league season. But go make your second listen Locked on MLB, Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully. He brings you his unique perspective on the majors, both past and present. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Y'all, thank you so much for listening, and until next time, don't forget to enjoy baseball.